Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. Hi. Last week, I launched my first ever solo episode featuring Lessons from Nelson Mandela. If you haven't heard it already, I highly recommend it. It's a quick 10-minute story where I cover three important lessons from Mandela's time in prison. This week, I interview Farah Polika, an exceptional person who's a volunteer at New York Cares. She's a lupus advocate and a court-appointed special advocate for foster kids. A little bit about New York Cares. During the lockdown, New York Cares, one of New York City's largest voluntary organizations, launched a relief effort with over 2,500 volunteers who have spent a combined 7,500 plus hours on 400 plus projects. Till date, they have served 2 million meals to homeless people. Their services include phone banking and food packing and distribution projects. They conduct calls to seniors and other vulnerable citizens to check in on their well-being and to ensure that they have access to vital items like food and medicine. Farah was also a guest speaker at the United Nations 2018 Global State of Volunteerism report. In today's conversation, Farah opens up about volunteerism and the impact it has had on her. So Farah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much Anu for having me today. It's amazing that we are finally able to reconnect again. The lockdown has been a crazy period. I mean, you interact a lot with the people directly in need of support like the homeless people. They reach out to you and you have done a tremendous amount of work with New York Cares. So when you look back, what are your feelings and thoughts about this period? Well, I would say I know the work has definitely evolved, but the essence of what we're doing remains the same and that is ensuring that people in need have access to the service that is important to them. First and foremost, food. As we know, a lot of New Yorkers experience food insecurities. So during this time of lockdown, the work has definitely evolved, but the essence of what we continue to do has remained the same. And that is ensuring that everyone has access to their basic needs, first and foremost, food. And especially during this critical time, many New Yorkers continue to experience food insecurities. And so that's where we come in as volunteers as nonprofit organizations to make sure that people have access to a warm meal every day. That makes a huge difference in people's ability to survive this very difficult situation that we all find ourselves in. Mhm. What are some of the touching stories that you can share with us from this period? Sure. Well, touching stories, countless stories fall under that category, but I would say I'm in awe of our volunteers. of volunteers who are willing to show up day in and day out even concerns about their own health their own families that they're still willing to show up for others to pack meals like over these couple of months we've been able to distribute nearly 2 million meals to people in need and that it takes a village to be able to put on that type of production day in and day out and again i'm just so grateful that people are still willing to to show up and show up for others in this very meaningful way. Mhm. And how has the work changed in the past few weeks now that we are out of the lockdown and businesses are opening up? How do you see a change or what kind of change are you seeing in terms of voluntary work? 
the change is very slow because we're technically still living in a pandemic and we still have to be very cautious about the way we're providing these services, even though they're vital services, we're still practicing social distancing. And so in the past, people would be able to go to a soup kitchen, for example, and sit down and and enjoy a meal. But right now we're still engaged in to-go services, meaning that our volunteers are, are packing the meals and people are able to come in and pick them up and go home and, and enjoy the meal that way. So not too much has changed because, again, we're being overly cautious because we want to make sure that our volunteers are safe and that the people that we're serving are also safe. Right. You mentioned the soup kitchen. What other services do you provide? Well, people in need are able to come into these various soup kitchens that are still operating, but they're operating in a different way. They're able to come and pick up grocery items uh, that they need. They're able to come and pick up cooked meals that they can then take home with them. Interesting. And you said you have served over 2 million meals so far. Yes. Yes. That's great. That is exciting. It's exciting to know that we have the ability to do this and that we're being supported, not just by the city, but also uh, private citizens who want to get involved, who want to contribute, whether it's their time or making monetary contributions. There's so many different ways to be a part of this process. Farah, how do you provide the food? Are there outlets uh, are using public sites where you go out and deliver food, or do people come to your offices or outlets to pick it up? Okay, well, there are several different outlets throughout the city where people could come and pick up meals. But in addition to that, because as we know, not everyone can come to pick up a meal. And so our volunteers are also delivering food to those who are not able to come to a site. Okay. So how do people reach out to you and request? Do they call you? Well, it's we've made it so simple for people to get involved. They can actually go to newyorkcares.org. And they'll be able to very easily sign up to become a volunteer. And once they do that, they'll see all of the different opportunities that are available. So depending on where they're located in the city, they can choose a site that's convenient for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's definitely very useful. Moving on, you're also working with the Lupus Foundation. Tell me more about that. Yes, well, I've been involved with the Lupus Foundation for many years now, and I reached out to the Lupus Foundation when I was diagnosed with lupus many years ago, and they were such a great source of support for me in understanding what lupus is as an illness and also to be able to advocate for myself as a patient with lupus. And over the years, again, I was just so involved with the organization and they provided me an opportunity to give back to those who are newly diagnosed, who don't know how they're going to manage with this condition. And um, about seven years ago, I launched a support group meeting in the city for, for those living with lupus and their families to be able to, to come into a safe space to share about their experience and also to get support. So COVID has definitely impacted our meetings. We used to be able to meet in person at NYU Langone Center, but now we're meeting virtually. Because of that, we've actually been able to grow as a group because the meetings have become more accessible to people, not just people in New York, but I'm getting inquiries from people all over the country who want to participate in our meetings. And because we're virtual, they're able to do that. So my partnership 
with the Lupus Foundation has been quite rewarding over the years, not just for myself as a person who's living with lupus, but really as an advocate for the community. That's interesting. I know you also are an advocate for foster kids. Tell me that story. Well, many people don't know, but in the foster care system, you know, when a child is neglected or abused, they're often assigned a law, an attorney who advocates on their behalf. They also have a caseworker. But about 43 years ago, a family judge recognized that he needed more information in order to be able to make decisions on behalf of these children. And so he launched an organization called Court-Appointed Special Advocates. Now, we're all volunteers, and our role is to really assess the case and speak to all parties involved and to be able to make recommendations uh, to the judge that are really in the best interest of the child. And this is something that I've been doing for the last few years, working with the Hudson County CASA group. And that, too, has been a rewarding experience, you know, working with young, vulnerable children who can really use as many advocates as we can muster for them, because these children come from very challenging backgrounds and oftentimes just not used to to having a lot of people in their corner. And so uh, right now I have each of the cases will touch your heart. And this time too has impacted our ability to connect with the, with with our, our clients. I call you know the kids that we work with because everything is virtual now. So for a time we weren't able to to visit in person. But I'm so glad that as things ease up a little bit, I've been able to resume in-person visits with my clients, just checking in on them because this is a tough situation to be in for adults. Can you imagine how the kids are adapting to this situation and just checking in, making sure that they have access to all the services that they need? For example, our kids are in virtual learning. Not every child has a computer at home. And so for one of my clients, I had to recommend to to the judge to make sure that that child had access to a computer to allow him to be able to log in easily from home to be able to get the schoolwork done. Wow. Farah, you work for children. You advocate for lupus patients. You're also working with the homeless to provide them food. That's amazing. When you're not doing any of this, what do you do? I feel like being of service is a big part of my life. Advocacy work is is the central part of my life. And so there's no separation for me between the volunteer work and what I do because it all centers around advocacy. And I work with a lot of different organizations for whom, you know, that is the mission. And so I'm happy to be a board certified uh, patient advocate and just ensuring that patients understand their rights when they're in the medical, when they're going for medical care. And if they don't, that they have someone that they can reach out to support them in that. So that's the bulk of what I do outside of all of these other (laughs) projects. That's amazing. Now you mentioned how listeners can volunteer for New York Cares. How can they get involved? Or is there an avenue for them to get involved uh, where foster children are concerned? How do we draw or create awareness around this area of work? Oh, absolutely. Well, every major city has a CASA organization. For example, New York has one, New Jersey has one, all over the country. So if someone is interested in advocating on behalf of 
children in foster care system, um, they can simply do a Google search uh, for CASA, CASA nearby, and they'll be able to find a location. The acronym is CASA, but it stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Now, now each um, volunteer would have to go through an extensive training process because yes, we're volunteers, but we're also trained in this area. So you have to go through a training process and a vigorous background check as well, because you have to register with the state that you're in since you're working with children. And so once you do that, you'll be able to get assigned a case. There are so many cases, so many children in need. So of course, the more volunteers we have, the more children we can really serve in these, again, very difficult situations. That's good to know. Farah, you've also spoken at the United Nations. Why don't you share a bit more about that? Well, a few years ago, I was asked to be on a panel at the United Nations when they were uh, unveiling uh, the report on global volunteerism. And I had an opportunity to share the volunteer perspective on this panel and to really shed a light on what it's like to be a volunteer and the impact that we get to have. And this was such a great experience uh, because as a volunteer myself, I got to see the global impact because a lot of times we hear about problems, whether it's in our own neighborhoods or somewhere else around the world. And the conversation centers around, well, what is the government going to do about this? What is the policy change that's needed for this? But as volunteers, we really get to be a part of that conversation. It's not always about what the government is going to do. Sometimes it's a matter of, well, what are the citizens willing to do to support their communities, to help their fellow men in need in a, in a difficult situation? And so it was a, a chance to really highlight the work that I've been doing in these various organizations and to really give a call to action to the governments that were represented at this conference to really support these nonprofits so that we can engage even more citizens in in creating a solution that's appropriate for their particular community. Thank you so much for the work you do, Farah. You're doing a lot to spread awareness. So thank you so much for that. It's been an honor having you here and hearing the stories of the different stories that you shared with us. I'm sure our listeners would enjoy a lot and take away a lot from your conversation. So thank you once again for coming on Heroes of New York. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. Make sure to visit our website, anusainan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. So you'll never miss a show. You can also follow us on social media at the Heroes of New York Facebook page. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. If you like the show, you might want to check out our other episodes. Thanks for listening and see you next week.